And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. What's up and welcome back to Spin Rate, the Toronto Blue Jays podcast here at The Athletic. My name is Drew Fairservice and we are so excited to talk about your first place Toronto Blue Jays. That's what we do here on The Athletic's Toronto Blue Jays podcast called Spin Rate. And when I say we, I mean me, Drew. I'm one of the hosts of the show, and I'm joined today by one of the, the co-hosts of Spinrate. She covers the Toronto Blue Jays for The Athletic. Her name is Caitlin McGrath. She joins us from beautiful downtown Toronto. Caitlin, how are you? Oh, downtown Toronto. More like East End. Best End. Listen. This is your bit. I know. It's your bit. I'm doing, we're just here doing bits. I don't need, I don't need the specificity, which we'll get into. I know. I just I just take offense because everybody knows I'm a proud East Ender, and I like to remind everyone that I live in the East End, and I don't. You can downtown. you can you can push Scarborough into whatever you <laughs> want it to be. It's still Scarborough. It's not the East End. It's Scarborough. It's its own little place. Its own little nightmare. Nevertheless, this is the Toronto Blue Jays podcast where we talk about the Toronto Blue Jays. And as I said, I don't care for specificity, which is something we will get to. This is called a uh, this is like checkoff strike zone. Where I'm going to show you the gun in the first act, then I'm going to shoot it in the third act. But for now, we're going to start with something a little bit more up- uplifting, and that is the Blue Jays' season, their s- series win over the uh, the the pesky Oakland Athletics. Matt Chapman reunited with some of his old friends in Oakland, uh, who have traded all of their good players, but still have a couple of decent-looking dudes kicking around. Decent-looking dudes, including uh, what's his name, the catcher with the ass, Sean Murphy. Shout out, Sean mm-hmm. Murphy. Sean, yeah. My guy looking thick, like straight out of Pixar. Nevertheless, before I do that, I'm going to get a bunch of uh, housekeeping out of the way. First piece of housekeeping is uh, Caitlin covers the Blue Jays for the Toronto, for the Athletic. And if you want to read what she writes, but you don't yet subscribe to the Athletic, number one, you're missing out, you're blowing it. Number two, if you want to rectify that, you want to go to theathletic.com slash spin rate and get hooked up with a sweet deal so you can continue reading the Athletic and everything that Caitlin writes and everything everyone else writes. About baseball and all sports, all things great and small. So, like I said, theathletic.com slash spin rate. Subscribe. Let them know that we sent you. And then everybody's happy. Number two, you want to subscribe to the show. You want to subscribe to spin rate with whatever it is you use to acquire podcasts. Wherever you get them scraped from, if it's Spotify or Apple Podcasts, go there. Be like subscribe. Spin rate. Because we do the show twice a week. Once a week, me and Caitlin connect. Talk mm-hmm. about Toronto Blue Jays. Another time a week, me and Ricky Romero, former Blue Jays all-star, starter, Cy Young vote receiver. We talk about the Toronto Blue Jays. So two shows a week about the Jays. So subscribe. Hook us up. Hit us with a rating. Hit us, hit us with a review. Recommend it to a friend. Someone's like, man, I love the Blue Jays. You'd be like, I listen to this, this TV show or this, this podcast. They do bits all the time. Well, the one guy does. I don't get them. He's not really that funny. He kind of just kind of talks and rambles and whatever. And then his podcast co-host makes really knowing looks when he says he's not that funny, as if she's been waiting to say this. All along. Mm-hmm. Nevertheless, subscribe to the show. Caitlin's good and Ricky's good. And then I'm in the middle. 
the Blue Jays. They won. The vibes around the Blue Jays are good. Actually, no, the vibes aren't good. One thing I will say, but another housekeeping piece, wanted to send a big shout out to Buck Martinez. Everybody knows Buck Martinez has been around the Toronto Blue Jays for going on 40 years now as a player, as a manager, as a broadcaster, as an icon of the one of the greatest double plays you've ever seen turned in 1985 as a player as well. Uh, Buck is taking a step away from the, from the booth for a medical leave as he is battling cancer. So everyone who listens to the Blue Jays and has listened and watched the Blue Jays over the last 40 years or so um, sends their thoughts along to Buck and wishes him well as he battles cancer. And I, I don't know if we mentioned it before, but also another face from the Blue Jays, Jamie Campbell is also battling cancer as well. Uh, Jamie Campbell, um, who I have interacted with a bit more than Buck Martinez, uh, truly one of the greatest and nicest people I've ever met in my entire life. And he's been on this show uh, two years ago. Uh, it was we were, He was talking about all the work that he was doing at the very beginning of Con- with Conquer COVID. Um, uh, Jamie is just a truly terrific and 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 earnest and and just a great dude, and we wish him all the best as well. And it's uh, you know what they say: fuck cancer. Look, uh, uh, affecting us in the place where we come to enjoy baseball and maybe escape from a lot of the ugliness of real life. But you can't; it's always there. So, Jamie Buck, everybody out there who is going through that something with uh, within their family under the under the the banner and the umbrella of the pandemic. Uh, our thoughts are with you as well. This is never not an easy time, and the pandemic isn't over, even though we wish it was. And it only complicates things and makes things even more challenging and even more difficult. So, all the best to those two individuals, and all the best to everybody who is listening. And and it doesn't mean much, but you know, I just you have my empathy and my thoughts are with everybody who's who's going with that. It always extends out when you think about someone like Buck and someone like Jamie. The outpouring of love and affection that they received um, because they get to be on TV and they're in our lives every single day. But not everybody gets that, so everybody deserves it. So if there's somebody that you're thinking of, you know, via the magic of the mind melt, I will uh, shoot some thoughts there your way too as well. So with that out of the way, let's change the vibe completely by going with the king of the vibes, Alec Manoa, mm-hmm. who is the Blue Jays uh, starter on Sunday, pitched extremely well. Uh, Alec Manoa, holy shit, he's good as hell. I don't know, Caitlin, what did you see from Alec Manoa today at the ballpark other than a very big dude pitching very, very well? I just saw what he always brings or what he almost always brings, which is just that, like, competitiveness. And I think, like, you know, I don't know, was, um, you know, maybe he was battling, like, a little bit out there today. Um, It's probably just the effects of, like, still that shortened spring. Like, we saw in New York, he was really, really good, but he had a few walks. Um, He cut down the walks a little today. He still had two, which is, you know, not that bad. I think he had five strikeouts today. Um, and you know, just, uh, there was like one inning where, you know, he led the home run, a couple blips and stuff like that. But otherwise, like, of course he kept the Blue Jays in the game the entire time and he just goes out there and competes. And I know it sounds cliche, but like, it's what everybody says about him. It's what Charlie says about him. It's it's what he says about himself is that he just wants to go out there and, you know, um, always try and keep the team in the game. Like always try and, you know, beat the other guy in the box. Like he's always so focused and competing out there. And so you saw that again from him, um, you know, today it was like the team is 18 and four in games that he starts in. Like he's made 22 starts and they've won 18 of them, not pitcher wins, but just the team has won eventually the game that uh, he started in. Like that just kind of just tells you that he, I don't know, like he just has a, a way about the way he pitches. Um, 
you know, really drives this team or, you know, maybe there's like a little luck and some fluke in there. The fact that it's like 18 and four, of course, but like, obviously he's a guy that you want on the mound when you want to rebound. And obviously like the team was looking for a rebound today after the um, Ryu start on Saturday, which was like deflating and they were looking for the series win. You don't really want to drop a series against um, a team like the A's at home, especially Um, even though it's still early on, it wouldn't be a disaster if they did, but you know, you don't want to. And uh, he's the guy you want on the mound. Like he's he's becoming that guy. I know it's really early in the season, and but he did it last year. He think he went eight and zero um, in his last eight starts last year, which was like coinciding with um, obviously the stretch run there where they needed to win every game possible. Um, and he was the guy you wanted on the mound. He's picked up exactly where he uh, left off last year, in, in the sense that he's just. He knows how to go out there and keep the Jays in games and keep things in check and let the offense do its work. And, you know, I think guys really love playing behind him. He's really hard to hit hard. Um, I think that's one thing that he's been he, he's achieved and, and has, has demonstrated over his whatever, you know, 22 starts, as you mentioned. Um, he just is hard to hit to square up. Um, Stephen Vogt kind of really punished a, a mistake. I think you know, it was a changeup that was kind of up in the zone and Stephen Vogt kind of did, did a good job to drive it out to right center field. Um, I think maybe that might have been a, a mistake against Vogt to go with the changeup on the first pitch anyway. Well, yeah, um, Alec kind of said after the game that he, he attributed that to just like a momentary lapse of focus a little bit. You know what I mean? Like you just go up there and you just – Like, and that's the thing with pitching, like, and I think I remember Alec talking about this a little bit last year and like him learning along the way that like in the minor leagues or maybe even in college, like if you're a guy like Manoa and you obviously have the stuff that you could probably get away with like letting your mind wander for a a batter or two and you're maybe not going to get like punished, right? Like, Mm -hmm. but I remember him sort of talking about learning last year and obviously continuing to learn this year is like, you really cannot take a pitch off in the majors because if you make one mistake or you lose your focus, like he did maybe on like that first pitch change up, then, you know, you can, you can, it can cost you. And obviously it was not a huge costly mistake because it was just a solo home run. Um, was it a solo home run or was it a two run? It was, it was a, a solo, solo home run. Home run yeah. Game. Yeah. Cause it was right out the beginning of the inning. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so that, but I, I agree with you. Like, yeah, whatever you want to label it, a mistake pitch or like, you know, lack of focus or whatever it is, it probably was not the pitch he should have thrown in that situation. I think, yeah, the, it, it was the rare case for Manoa where it was the combination of like not great execution. And, and again, not just a, not a, not the, best pitch to throw in that situation i mean you know during the during the broadcast buck martinez and 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 dan shulman uh, just uh, as you have have described him as a as a battler and something that that i know that ricky romero and i talked about on a previous episode too is like there's so much about about manoa that's really that you like to that's easy to like because he has like a real polish to him in the way that he's able to sort of like figure things out on the go mm-hmm. and decide what's working, decide, you know, Mark Buck referred to him as a real feel pitcher. He's like, this pitch feels good right now. So I'm going to throw it. I'm going to throw the shit out of it. And this pitch feels good. So I'm going to throw it as well. Or this, you know, my two seamer feels not good. I'm not throwing it for strikes. It's not getting to where I needed to go. So I'm going to shelve it and he can get away with that. And, and that, in that particular at bat, again, because it was Vogt who's like struggled this year, you know, an older guy, Dress your fastball. You know what I mean? Like, if you think maybe he's going to go up and he's cheating on the fastball, maybe that's what you saw the first time up. So you thought you might get him out of the front foot. 
Um, but I feel like your fastball is as, as likely to be your best pitch as anything. You know, and the changeup works well off of it. So not a big deal. Um, again, Manoa is really hard to square up. He really battles the, the, the kind of challenge, as you said, was that he's, he's walked some more guys this year than he does typically. Of course, he, he hits, you know, a guy or two here or there. Um, sometimes, which you could maybe attribute to a bit of wildness. Or a bit of a lack of focus, or, or like you know, they say on the on the broadcast, oh, he loves to come inside. I'm like, nah, I think he just loses a lot of pitches out, you know, out wide, out into the right hand batter's box, which he did a few more than once. And there has been a lot of talk about moving him around on the rubber and having him make sure that he's really driving off the mound and not falling off to first base. This, that, or the other. He's going to hit guys because he does kind of come out of his mechanics a little bit, which is fine, but because he's just been so truly effective. Such a a fun guy to watch. And he's not just hard to square up, but he misses a lot of bats too. And that makes for a good pitcher. And, and I know, you know, folks ask me, what do you think? Do you think he can be an ace? You know, that we've kind of had this debate a little bit. Is he an ace? And there's a part of me that thinks like, no, like this. And, 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 and I, let me, I'll put this back to you. Do you think he can get much better? Because I mean, Hey, he's pitching really, really well. I don't think it's fair or, or even uh, maybe necessary isn't the word, but like, if he just keeps doing this, he's going to be a hell of a pitcher because he already is. So, yeah, maybe he's not going to go and ha- you're not going to see him get with a 15 strikeout game or something like that. Probably um, maybe he can get a little bit more efficient. I don't know. But like this is fine. Right. And if this is what he is for his entire time in Toronto before he inevitably goes and signs with the Yankees, you can write that down. He's going to play for the Yankees one day. He loves pitching in that ballpark, it seems. And he's also so big and tall that there's no way that Brian Cashman will not be able to just back a truck full of money up to his house. So until Alec Manoa signs as a free agent with the Yankees, um, if he's if he's this kind of a pitcher, the Blue Jays are laughing, laughing. It was the steal of the draft, and now it's paying almost immediate dividends. So a lot to like. But what do you think? Do you think, do you think there's more in it for him? Do you think he has the ability to 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 ramp up the strikeout numbers and continue to miss even more bats and be even more effective than he has been? Well, I mean, I don't know that the, like, the stuff is going to get better. Like, the stuff might just be what the stuff is. Um, but, like, certainly he as he gains experience, um, you know, he can get even more, um, you know, crafty as a starter. Like, he, like I mentioned before, like, he can really hone in. He can have games where he's just totally locked in, never loses that focus. And then, you know, maybe that makes him a better pitcher. So he's going to learn along the way. He's really only um, – has not even really pitched a full like season yet, right? Like he because he only came up at the end of May last year. So um I think that he can get better in the sense that he can start to know himself more, know hitters more, know how to get guys out, know to but you know he but he also knows a lot of that early on. Like, you know, there's not been a lot of opportunities where you're mm-hmm. looking at him and you look like, oh, he lo- doesn't know, like he looks lost up there. Like that hardly happened, you know? And like it was almost surprising like last year how little it happened considering he was a rookie. Like he really um, just like has that like natural born confidence, I guess, or maybe he's worked on it. Um, But he just has that ability to just go out there and get locked in. And um, so, yeah, it's an, I think he can get better um, as you know, you, as you just gain more experience. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't know that he's going to change who he is as a pitcher. Like I think what he does now is what he's going to do, like you said. Um, but um, it's certainly going to be fun to watch him continue. Cause like you said, he's really, you know, only in his first few years with the Blue Jays, there's going to be at least like what, five, six more years of this. 
five more years of this? Yeah, five, six more years before he again becomes a, a New York Yankee, and we yes. wish him all the best in his <laughs> uh, in his endeavors as a Yankee. I don't know; he'll be have to be clean shaven, but I'm sure he'll find a way. They will kill his soul, unfortunately. You know, he's such an effervescent personality, hanging out, chilling, chopping it up in the dugout. The Yankees, of course, will will take care of that in no time, and uh, but he'll be very rich. So shout out, shout out to. Uh, uh, to Alec Manoa, who, uh, to, yeah, like to your point, I think that there, there, there is, um, there is, a, there is room for, room for improvement as he's able to sort of really solidify his mechanics, right? And that's the piece, and that that is sort of the 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 missing the missing elixir. And I think that you know, right now you see him kind of his fastball sort of sometimes it's up to 95, 96, sometimes it's 93, 94. But um, as he sort of starts to drop a little bit of velocity, hopefully that can that consistent physical approach and, and, the, and the consistent ability to, to, to nail his release point and really drive off the mound will make him, uh, well, make him as good as he has been, which is as good as it gets. We'll be right back with more spin rate, but first check this out. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily with 24 seven us based live customer service from discover. Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep. You heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Another Blue Jays pitcher who's locked in is Jordan Romano. Mm-hmm. Known around the world as the brother of Jules Romano. Known around the world as the, now the new record holder for uh, most consecutive saves by a Toronto Blue Jay. Yep. Uh, also has been, been the honor of being the subject of a feature by Caitlin McGrath. <laughs> yes. What did you learn about Jordan Romano? And what do Blue Jays fans need to know other than the fact that he's really good? And uh, is just a, a, an amazing success story for player development and sticking with it and doing what needs to be done to become good and get better. Yeah. I mean, also just like amazing story, kind of like knowing yourself. Like I think with Jordan, he was a closer in college. And I think that um, when you get drafted, a lot of teams will just want to see what you can do as a starter. Like that's sort of the player development move, Um, especially if you're a guy like Romano who like obviously has good stuff. So you want to like go down that road. But, you know, I think that um, obviously Romano – maybe knew in his heart that relief a relief role was where he would best succeed. Um, and uh, so, yeah, it's a, it's a great success story for the Blue Jays. Obviously today he had his sixth save of the year, which is definitely leading the league right now. Um, 29th straight. Um, it was Monday in New York that he, um, that he surpassed the record, the previous record. Um and that was like from 1991, which is, you know, that just tells you how tough of a, a record it was to break. Um, Jordan wasn't even, I don't think he was born in 1991. I think he was born a couple of years later. So that's grim. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, so what I learned about him, I mean, you know, I, um, 
kind of knew a little bit about Jordan because like he's been around the team for a few years now, but he's obviously like kind of taken his game to like a new level in the last year or so when he was handed the closing role. I wouldn't even say he was handed the closing role. I should say he earned the closing role when he was given an opportunity to close like last year, like early in the season. Um, he just took it and kind of ran with it. Um, and Basically, what his teammates say about him is like, yes, the stuff is there. He's got like the high 90s um, fastball. He throws it up in the zone. Um, you know, they tell me that he throws it with just a lot of conviction. Um, and, you know, the slider looks really good this year. The slider has been a good pitch for him. Um, so he's got two plus pitches. But the thing about him that everybody sort of agreed upon was that it's the mentality that he goes up there with. It's the just, I'm not going to get beat by anybody today. I'm going to throw you my best stuff and my stuff is better than what you can do. And I'm just going to get you out. And he just has this like, you know, that killer instinct that closers need to have. And he just has it. And the the one interesting thing that um some guys told me was that he also extends that to everybody. So like, you know, talking to like Adam Simber, for example, Adam Simber told me like, you know, sometimes he'll find himself or he has a bad habit of just saying aloud like, oh, you know, this hitter has my number or this guy's coming to town. Like, oh, that guy always gets me or whatever. And he was telling me like, if Jordan hears him say that, Jordan will be like, no, like today you're getting him out. Like, and so <laughs> Jordan or like Jordan will speak up at um at uh, like their scouting meetings and say like, you know, this guy's good, but you know, we're better. Like we can, we can get him today. So he's very, like, he's very positive. Um, he's a very like, um, easygoing, like nice guy, but he's also just a supportive teammate. And actually like after he achieved the record, um, in New York, um, they had like a bit of a sort of like team meeting or team celebration after the game. And George Springer spoke up and George Springer, you know, said something along the lines of like, you know, we're going to, as a team, we're going to celebrate some significant milestones uh, when they happen this year. And Jordan achieved one today. Um, and so we we're going to celebrate that. And and then Jordan sort of spoke up and basically said like, you know, thanks everyone. Or like he thanked his teammates, but he basically said like, it's not really about this moment for me it's about getting the save um in the world series so um you know what it comes down to for him is like he's getting these individual accolades right now but he's just going out there and helping his team win that's all he really cares about and so yeah it's interesting read the story i talk a little bit about his routine which i think a lot of people uh, paid attention to early on the broadcast would often like show him kind of pacing around um and he still does that. Guys say it's not maybe as intense. He's kind of got it down to like an, an an art or a science, whatever you want to call it, where it's like, you know, he can chill for the first few innings of the game, hang out in the bullpen, have a good time. But then there's a moment in the game where he just kind of needs to like walk away, separate himself from all the shenanigans and uh, kind of lock in. So, yeah, that story's there. Talk to basically everybody in the bullpen um, and you can read it now. You should. Um, he's, it's crazy. Jordan Romano was one of those guys where I would, I would, I've, I've tried to ask a couple guys before I tried to ask Clayton Kershaw and he definitely did not understand what I was trying to ask him, but it was like, like, how do you get better? Like, how do you just, 
how do you go from not being able to throw strikes to being able to throw strikes? And 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 it, it's a, it's a it's a kind of a stupid question, but I think that there, it could potentially produce some interesting results. But like Jordan Romano could walk the world, right? That was when when he first came, you know, back and forth with the Blue Jays in his first kind of couple uh, cup of coffee. Yeah, he threw hard, but it was like just no command. And then now he's he's got incredible command. He hasn't walked anybody yet this year. Um, you, you know, walked someone really, today, right? Oh, sorry, you walked someone today. Sorry, I'm looking at his Statcast page, which hasn't been updated. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Excuse me, Caitlin. I'm sorry. Uh, but like just peppering the top of the strike zone with the fastball and he's his his velo's down a little bit but like when it's commanded up there like that and when the slider can come at any time it's deadly right mm-hmm. and you see him throw you know kind of two he, he can throw the slider for a strike early in the strike in in the count and he can also kind of bury it and make you swing you know in an embarrassing fashion and it's just it's just a very classic overpowering closer profile Mm-hmm. And 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 again, he can throw that slider in there to lefties, and and there's not much they can do about it either. It's um, it's great. It's really it's really a nice uh, bonus to have. And it, again, such a big you know big dude who who is from the East End of Toronto because he's from Markham, so it's like he's from the East End, right? It's all the same. Markham, Scarborough, East End, basically the same. Uh, shout out to uh, to and he, uh, to Jordan Romano. So. Yeah, it's 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 really really uh, it's so cool to hear that other stuff too about how he's just so like out of the up with people sort of you know the old days I think the closers there was always a lot there was a sense of ego and like these mm-hmm. kind of prima donna types where he's like in there cheerleading wanted to be part of the part of the gang and and get everybody fired up not even fired up get everybody believing in themselves and and feeling good so because yeah he's just like. It's it's so it's so beneficial to have that ninth inning or highest leverage spot, whichever it is, locked down. Yeah, and the Blue Jays are almost it. like lucky in the sense that, like, I mean, they almost like stumbled upon having this great closer. Like, I think mm-hmm. there was a question even last year. Um, it's like, do the Blue Jays need to go out and get a closer? Um, but I mean, I think even this off season, like, I saw some some people out there like maybe writing about the blue Jays and maybe they don't follow them as closely. And it's like, maybe the blue Jays need a closer. Do the blue Jays need to go out and get a closer? Like, and it's like, no, they don't. I don't, I mean, they've got like Mm -mm. one of the, one of the best ones in the American league right now. I mean, uh, and like you said, it doesn't look like, Jordan slowing down. Of course, like when I'm writing that story, because I wrote, I started the story after he, he, um, well, I had the idea for the story and then I was like, okay, if he gets the record, I'll do the story. But then, of course, like I had to work on the story. It took a few days. And so he's like coming into that game two days later in uh, in New York. And I'm like, I swear to God, like, please do not blow this save because <laughs> the story's got to come out tomorrow. So that's always, so once I got the story out, I'm like, okay, fine. But then he's had, so he's had like two more save since then so he's obviously mm-hmm. on a roll uh, he's just pitching really effectively and and it'll be it'll be interesting i mean there he's not going to be perfect he's not going to go through the entire season without with only one lock and without giving up any rainy runs or anything but um feels like the bullpen is in good hands which is you could say that about the about the rotation i mean the thing that was interesting you said he's got a six Save the Blue Jays have six wins, so he saved them all because the Blue Jays haven't really had any blowouts in their favor yet this 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 month. They haven't no. um, put together, um, you know, the the offense is 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 obviously it's such a testament to the quality of the offense in that it's not remotely clicking on all cylinders, and they're still six and four. They've mm-hmm. still handled 
two good teams and also the Texas Rangers. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's, the offense has had a little bit of a different look. Obviously, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. had three home runs in the game mm-hmm. um, in New York, but like there isn't one guy otherwise who's, who's sort of busting out. Like Matt Chapman got a big hit today. Lourdes Guerrero Jr. got a big hit today. Um, Bo Bichette looks like he's working out, working on some things, you know, got a, got a couple base hits, hitting the ball up the middle a lot. Not quite to the right field power alley, which is what we saw from him so much in like Dunedin in particular, um, where Bo's got so much power going that other way for such a, small and like free swinging dude, but there's still, it just feels like there's so much yet that the blue Jays, um, uh, to sort of unlock, to turn mm-hmm. them into like a true offensive juggernaut. Yeah. And I, like, and like George, sorry, I'm interrupting. What, what was no, no. Well, I was going to say George Springer, like started well. And then I thought this series, not so much. Um, and then obviously like you lose T Oscar Hernandez, and then you also lose Danny Jansen, who like got off to that good start. And so just the mm-hmm. lineup in general, like hasn't looked, it hasn't, it, it doesn't look as dominating because it doesn't have as many dominant figures in it. Like you, once you lose Tay Oscar and then you lose um, Danny Jansen, like it's, then you're, you're fitting guys in there where like it's a Bradley Zimmer or like a Zach Collins, who by the way had a great series. So like no knock on Zach Collins. He was great. It's like uh, you can't get weekend. him out. Yeah, he was he he had himself. I mean, he hit he got his first hit Friday, and then he just didn't stop hitting. I made some comment about he's like he was he didn't even look like a big leaguer his first the first couple of series. I was like, what is going on? And and you know, I, I made some comment, and other people like it's like it's like the pitchers are in a rush to strike him out, like just throw three pitches as soon as they can because then the next guy will come up. But like you know, it's small sample baseball. Neither of those, neither of those two things are the, are the truth. He's not going to get, you know, eight hits in a four in an average three game series. He's also not going to strike out like seven straight plate appearances, whatever it was. So again, just an interesting acquisition, uh, putting that depth to the test and then, and being able to add a, just another dimension, which is being left-handed. Uh, you know, there are, there are still questions, you know, Vladimir Guerrero, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. striking out a bit more than I think, than I'm comfortable with. I'm sure that he's, you know, not comfortable with his, uh, his strikeout rate right now, which is still fine. Because I, every time I, I kept saying to myself, because in the first two series, he basically didn't strike out at all. And I kept saying like, oh, wow, that's interesting. Uh, you know, Vladdy's not really striking out. And then he just kind of keeps striking out. But not really anything to worry about when it comes to uh, to Vlad. Not walking as much, but, uh, you know, yeah. it's, he's Vladimir Guerrero Jr. It, it will come in a matter of time. Uh, but like, yeah, Bo Bichette, Again, not it's it's April, right? They've played ten games, eleven games, ten games, ten games. two threes and a four. Um, it's not even, you know, we're not even a tenth of the way through the season. And like you said, so, like if they and they've won six of those games, so mm-hmm. like, um, that's kind of a compliment of the offense in itself. You know what I mean? Like I don't know how to, how to put it really, but the fact no, that it, they've they've come out and they've still got and like sometimes it's just been like the one hit they needed or someone stepping up, like even in the er, the first game in New York, George Springer, I think drove in mm-hmm. all the runs. Um, and then of course the Vladdy game against Garrett Cole, like that was Vladdy completely stepping up and like winning that game for his team. Um, and then mm-hmm. you're seeing, you're seeing them get some of those timely hits. You're not seeing them get a ton of timely hits. I don't know the number, but I know that they're not hitting well with runners in scoring position. Again, it's like very early on, but they are mm-hmm. like, they have had enough moments where they've gotten that hit. They've gotten that insurance run. It was like Lourdes mm-hmm. today. Um, and so 
that, and it also just speaks to like, you know, the bullpen has been strong. And so I think that you can take a, like you can take a lot of comfort in the fact that the bullpen looks strong because I don't think there's any doubt that the offense is going to come around. So the fact that you're seeing like, okay, Simber looks good and, you know, Richards looks good and like Jordan looks good. Mesa looks great still. So like, Mm -hmm. I think that you can still take a lot of comfort in knowing that these things look good. And then the offense, it's like, don't even worry about it. It's the, there was a situation, uh, I don't know if you've read, what's it called? Three Nights in August, the Buzz Bissinger book about the Cardinals and Tony La Russa. Tony La Russa had this thing, you know, you know, in the beginning, but in the big inning, and it's first and third and nobody out. Blue Jays had one of those situations today, first and third and nobody out. And they, I think they only scratched across one run, but they still managed to scratch across one run, even though... You know, nobody really hit the ball hard. Nobody, you know, did the, nobody hit the ball over the fence, obviously. So, like, that's the kind of offense that they are right now where they can, they don't, A, because they, they, I made a comment about Vlad, they still don't strike out that much, you know, by and large. Mm-mm. Um, they put the ball in play and, like, you know, they did, they hit the ball hard. So, so in no, that situation now, they had first and third and nobody out. They just maybe pushed across one run where like in another couple weeks or maybe in, you know, middle of June, next thing you know, it's like first and third, nobody out. And now the Blue Jays are going to hang like a five on you because that home run can come from anybody in the lineup. More spin rate coming up right after these words from our sponsors. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. If you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Reddick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash. Or Paulo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant. Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? The Old Man and the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. So while we're saying don't worry, is there anything that's a little worrisome to you at all? Is there anything that sticks out? I mean, obviously Hyunjin Ryu is kind of what I where I was going to get to with this. But is yeah. there anything else that is worrisome of for, um, not uh, like, in your view? I'm not like totally worried, but I think the injuries are kind of disappointing, I would say. Like having the two oblique injuries like right off the bat are kind of disappointing mm-hmm. for Teoscar Hernandez, although there is like some optimism um, that Teoscar's is not uh, very severe and like it could be a fairly mm-hmm. quick stint. I don't know if Teoscar's is like a guy that like tweaks his oblique but like not badly because like two years ago – in 2020, I think he had uh, the same injury, but he only took the minimum. And obliques are one of those things where, like, they can take a really long time or they can take a really short time, I guess, depending on mm-hmm. who you are and how bad it is. But um, 
he's at least has some past experience with taking just the minimum with that injury. And there seems to be some optimism that it won't be like, he's been, he's been around and he's been um, walking around and looks good. And he was been on the, been on the bench, I think fooling around with mm-hmm. that. He was and stuff hanging like that. around today. Yeah. yeah and, and so, and then Danny Jansen, I think there's this like more caution with him because a, he's the catcher. So there's a lot more crouching up, down different mm-hmm. kinds of movements where you're going to be, um, you know, there's more risk there and, and, you know, there just seems to be like the understanding that Danny's will take a little bit more time than to Oscar. Um, mm. but uh, anything like else concerning, like, I think that, um, you know, I don't, it's 10 games for most of the hitters, a less for some of them who aren't in the lineup every day. Um, so I really can't get too worked up about the offense yet. And I, I wouldn't get worked up about anything this early on anyway, but to segue into Ryu, the reason why you get a little bit concerned about Ryu is that we can't necessarily say this is just two bad starts because we have to go back and say his last 10 starts of 2021 looked very similar. So that's where you got the concern grows from. Is this just the sore arm that he was feeling, which like obviously he was complaining about it and he was feeling it and the velocity was quite a bit down for him yesterday so you could probably look at that start and say yeah he was feeling the effects of the sore arm but the start before that he had the velocity looked what you expect it to be and he got through like three innings or so looked fine and then still Mm -hmm. had that bad inning um where he couldn't get out of the fourth um and so and then it's just like i said it's going back to previous year where where there was a lot of that so that's where the concern level grows because it's not quite two bad April starts. You can just throw away and say it's the shortened spring training because it's like, well, this was happening last year. I think the, my concern is that, and again, maybe it's because it's early and maybe this, we, can, we can still chalk it up to, to shortened spring and maybe there is some soreness and some kind of underlying um, just sort of not ready to go and, and maybe hopefully there isn't a more serious injury. But like, I'm worried about the command and how it just sort of goes at times. And I think you saw it, you know, as you mentioned, he went through three and then, it, then he couldn't get out of the fourth. And then, um, even the other day where you see him early on and he was, you know, he's getting the cutter in on people and, and he's blowing up their bat or, you know, getting, you know, soft contact, doing Hyunjin Ryu stuff. And then, and then he wasn't. And then he's not pitching on the margins of the strike zone or pitching on the, on the, on the edges of the plate. It's all in the middle. And then, you know, whether his velocity is up or down, it doesn't really matter. Cause if it's up, it's 91. If it's down, it's 89. It's still not, he's still going to get hit if he's leaving cutters over the middle of the plate or flat changeups that are staying up in the zone. Um, obviously there was a lot of talk on Saturday, but the umpire, right? The umpire did, did not do Hyunjin Ryu any favors. And again, a guy with no margin for error needs to get the, let's say, let's, needs to have the zone called as it, should be called, you know, if it's a strike, call it a strike. Because if you're, if you're forcing him into more into the, into the plate because he's getting squeezed on a two O curveball that again, he's just trying to steal a strike behind two O. So he flips a curveball in on the, on the edge and it's a good pitch, but then doesn't get the call. Well, then he's out of luck. Uh, to the point that he's fucked. Um, because that's just, again, he doesn't have the margins of error at this point or at any point realistically in his career with, with the velocity and then the lack of command to be able to get away with that. Um, and, I, and I know the umpire is something that, that you're, I mean, umpires, umpiring, robot umpires, umpire scorecards. Um, I think that 
that I folks who listen to this show or follow me on Twitter, they know that I'm not, I'm generally ambivalent and to the point of being like in favor of the human element aspect of the umpiring. Um, I think that the TV graphics are a true nightmare and they do serve no one any good perfect uh, purpose. The umpire scorecard, sort of the stack cast, pitch effects, strike zones are instructive, but they're not, they do not tell the whole story. They, they also undermine and undercut the value of good catching and presentation of strikes as strikes. Um, and just, it's also a game, you know what I mean? And I, I like that. I don't care. I don't, I, uh, I don't, I don't desire that kind of specificity and like exactitude in a game that I watch for fun. A little bit of drama, a little bit of something. Uh, all I ask for is, the, is that the umpires are are fair, of which I, if you think an umpire is being unfair to the Blue Jays, you're naive. Like, it doesn't work like that. It's Every call is made in the moment, and and they're not thinking about something rude that Charlie Montoyo said to them when they're making a strike call. There's no that vindictive pettiness. It just doesn't work like that. But... Um, umpires have bad games. Sometimes umpires have bad zones. Some, and, but and I think the the umpire umpiring culture is such that they're so standoffish and such pricks that there's no like doesn't seem like outwardly especially there's no give and take. It's just like that's my zone. I called it, and someone's like, "Well, you can't call that. It's not a strike." And it's like, "Well, you're I'm going to run you, whatever." But I, I just don't think that. It, it can be frustrating, and then, like as as you sort of said off air, and you can tell us, like the players are frustrated because I think the biggest thing with players is like just call the zone the same, right? If it's a strike in the first inning, call it a strike in the third inning, call it a strike in the ninth inning, um, and call it the same for both teams, which again is more about perception, but but it, it is a source of frustration. But don't let it keep you up at night because it's only a game. Yeah, I mean, I think the players, like, I mean. After the game on Saturday, I asked Matt Chapman about it just because Charlie had been thrown out of the game mm. for arguing. Um, it was a Lourdes Gurriel um, strikeout. And then immediately Chapman came up afterwards and he got rung up on a pitch that was even further outside of the zone that was called a strike. Um, and, you know, I think the frustration is like from Chapman at least said something along the lines of like, it's hard when you have to, um, you know, protect the plate, but also, you know, the outside part of the plate plus three inches. And then also the inside part of the plate plus three inches. So like, you're Mm -hmm. kind of like, it's just almost too much. Um, and I think so, um, I think that that was where the frustration was at least on Saturday. Um, but he also, Matt Chapman also said like, you know, it's not, not an excuse kind of like almost what you were saying is like, that is, you have to find a way. And if that's the zone, that's the zone. Um, but it, of course you understand that it can be frustrating, especially if like that particular strike zone did look very large. And um, there were a lot of um, called strikes that really didn't look like strikes. Um, and mm-hmm. so if you're a baseball player and you've, you know, come up and you kind of think, you know, the zone and all of a sudden those are getting called strikes that that's going to be frustrating, especially for a team like the Blue Jays that don't strike out a lot. So like, you know, yeah. the Blue Jays, they don't strike out very much. And like, they were getting all these, um, you know, called strikes on them for strike three. And it was like, well, normally those wouldn't be called strikes and then they'd still be up to bat. And then a pitcher would have to either throw it down the middle or they'd take their walks. Like they don't, they're not a team that strikes out a ton. So I think that's also like why it can be frustrating for them, especially yeah the it's a hundred percent uh understandable that why why it would be frustrating um for the zone to 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 a not be consistent or or b to be just so big that you know it, the game is already tilted so much in the favor of pitchers like 
they don't need a bigger zone than than the existing zone. Um, they don't need they don't need the help, frankly. So so because their stuff is so nasty, and there's so many of them with nasty stuff, one after another, these guys throw a nut. You know, so Nestor Cortez, who pitches for the Yankees, who who pitched really well against the Blue Jays last week, had an immaculate inning. Uh, today in Baltimore against the absolutely shameful Baltimore Orioles struck out uh, the side on nine pitches which is very rare very difficult to do increasingly common you know relative to the previous 80 years of history but Nestor Cortez is like uh, like a crafty sort of sloppy you know tosses the kitchen sink and you never know what you're gonna get Nestor Cortez throws 93 miles an hour like do you think that Pat Henkin at any point of his career threw 93 Maybe Pat Henkin would like start it when he was young was like 94. And uh, I don't think we thought of Pat Henkin for as an example as like a sloppy kind of, uh, you know, here comes the kitchen sink. Here comes just throwing it here, there and everywhere. Like the state of the game is so crazy that a guy who throws 93 or even even like we're talking about Ryu, like 91, just sneezing at it. Like, oh, it's bullshit. He's just up there <laughs> throwing softballs, just hoping and praying that it doesn't end up in the fifth deck all the time. But it's like that is a really, 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 you know, just indicative of the way that the game has gone. So guys throw hard. They don't need help with a bigger strike zone. But also, the, it's again, this is me personally. When people start complaining of, as a fan or you're on Twitter and like stomping your feet about the strike zone, like, oh, my God, life is way too short <laughs> to, complain about, to complain about the strike zone. And the one, I, one thing I will say also, the, 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 a positive change uh, this year is that the umpires now have to get on the loudspeaker and broadcast to the stadium and then on, on TV about... Um, why what the state of the review calls been overturned the runner is the runner at, at first was out so that was a great play that vladdy uh, Vlad, uh, vladdy jr and uh timaza did on a on a weirdly like a ball hit kind of the other way from christian pache 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 uh, yeah. who and uh Meza tumbled over slapped a tag on him fell falling on his legs i had visions of like brett cecil or like scott downs in my head where like he was going to get up and his leg was going to have fallen off or yeah, that he was, would like have broken his neck or something was anytime they had to step off the mound they were like a threat to be <laughs> injured but uh no Meza came came back in got the next guy in the next inning as well but um uh where was i going with this oh my god i had a, i had <laughs> there was a point i had a point to this because you because the guy came over the loudspeaker Oh the yeah, the guy. that's what it was. Like, coming over the loudspeaker, so he has to say it, and he says Toronto, but he says it in like his umpire, you know, kind of generic, like <laughs> different kinds of American accents. Hearing people say Toronto out loud, or like, which is not how I, I would ever say it, other than right now, like, oh, because he didn't say it like that, but he doesn't say it right. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like. Well, you know, you know how I say it, and you know how you say it. They know he doesn't right. say it like that, and I delight in that. I do always enjoy a, a very stiff Toronto <laughs> or Toronto, but with like a with a with a with a mean like a mean Oklahoma accent. You know, it's just like all it's all deadly. It all works very well for me. Speaking of working very well, what else we got? Anything else? I, I think that's about it. We talked about Hyunjin Ryu. We talked Love about uh, the one thing I didn't talk about. We we didn't really look ahead. Yeah, I was uh, say, to the do week. You look ahead. We could look ahead really quick. They are playing against the dreaded Red Sox, who are dog shit, but also one game behind, half a game behind the Blue Jays in the in the American League East. Are the Blue Jays they, in first in the American League East? I think they are. Who the think, Red Sox? No, the Blue Jays. Blue Jays are first. They're six and four. The Red yep. Sox, with their win today, I believe, are five and four. I see. And but the Red Sox seem bad. But you cannot ever at any point 
say that aloud because then the Red Sox will do something outlandish and prove you to be an idiot. Um, I don't know. What's your view so far of the Red Sox? I mean, obviously, you cover the Blue Jays. You haven't had a chance to see them up close. This will be your chance. Um, you can't trust the Red Sox as far as you can throw them. God only knows what they're going to do. And at, at, at Goofy Ballpark, nothing makes sense. No, yeah. I um, uh, Speaking of that Goofy Ballpark, I'll be back there for the first time in a while on Tuesday. Um, and... I honestly have not, I've been very busy and the Blue Jays have been playing every day and I've been mm. traveling. So I have, I haven't really um, seen much of any Red Sox game. So this will be my first chance to actually see them up close um, and back in Boston. It's always, I don't know, there's something about playing in Boston though that is somewhat of a nightmare. Um, actually, I was looking it up. The Blue Jays went five and five last year in Fenway, which I thought was like decent because mm-hmm. Fenway is a really tough place to play. Um, and I, for some reason, my memory, I think there was some crushing losses there. So I think in my memory, it felt like the Blue Jays did worse at Fenway. Um, but actually they did fine. Um, so we'll see. I mean, for me, like the Red Sox, I think pitching is just a big question mark. Like, I'm not sure that they, um, I think they won today against the twins. Um, mm-hmm. I want to say, and they scored a bunch was, of runs. yeah, they scored a bunch of runs. It was Michael Waka. I think pitching, he pitched fine, I guess. I mean, the twins are really bad or they're off to a really bad start. Um, and so, yeah, the Red Sox continue to be a bit of a question mark to me in terms of their pitching, but like their offense is going to be good. Like they're going to be able to score a bunch of runs. So, I mean, like Blue Jays put Kikuchi on the mound, um, on Tuesday, which is, Kind of a tough start for him this year, starting in Yankee Stadium and then starting in Fenway. Like that is not an they're not giving their um new fifth starter an easy transition to the American League East. No, they're not. And and we when you and I talked about this before the season, thought maybe like, hey, maybe they want to sneak Kikuchi in against the Rangers and sort of yeah. set themselves up. Maybe if, then he can catch the Rangers and the A's instead of the Yankees and Red Sox. But uh sorry. You said Kikuchi, you got a three-year contract, so they're not trying to worry. They're not worried about no. saving your numbers for free agency. So you're here to take your lumps like everybody else. And as far as the Red Sox go, I mean, yeah, they're going to score runs. Um, they got, they do have a lot of bad players. Oddly enough, they're just a lot of bad players on the Red Sox, and yet they still score a lot of runs. You know, they signed Trevor Story to a bunch of money. It's taken him a bit of time to adjust. Uh, but Rafi Devers is having a great year again. Uh, Matthew Corey, friend of mine who covers the Red Sox, uh, he has a, a, a newsletter called Sox Outsider. You can check that out if you want to read about the Red Sox. Who has been? His, he's got a bit too. Everyone's got bits. That's the whole thing. We're doing bits. His bit is Rafi Devers is the AL MVP. I have a, I see a flaw in his uh, in his plan, which is that uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is kind of um, maybe at the forefront of the American League uh, MVP debate. Especially with Shohei Otani striking out uh, every other at bat, but the Red Sox are scary. You just can't trust them. And and uh, Garrett Whitlock in their bullpen has like just turned into some, into some kind of unhittable monster. They still don't have Chris Sale. Uh, Nick Pavetta could be um, reverting back to pumpkin status. Who knows? But it's something to look forward to. Just like going to Boston. Do you mm. like Boston? How do you feel about Boston as a city when you get to go? Um, I have to say that. It's not Boston's fault, but mm. I've had some like difficulty traveling from Boston. I've had a few trips that have just been like not the smoothest of travel. And so that's mm. sort of clouded my experience of Boston. So I'm really hopeful that 
Um, this is a trip that I get to experience Boston a little bit more um, and hopefully have like smooth, I don't know, I'm going to like knock on wood right now, <laughs> have a smooth trip there and a smooth trip. Actually, I'm not even going, I'm not, maybe this will save me because I've had rough trips try, trying to get from Boston to Toronto for whatever reason. I don't know. It shouldn't be that hard, but I'm going from Boston to Houston. So maybe that will help. We'll see. That's exciting. So what, so far, of the cities, that, so obviously you've been covering the Blue Jays for a few years now, but COVID and then and then twenty twenty COVID and COVID put a significant dent in the ability to travel. But what would you say? So from a travel perspective, what's your favorite city to get in and out of? Um, well, I mean, it, I don't know. I don't put a lot of stock into like my travel. Like I don't like to complain too much about like getting in and out of cities. I just mm. mean like when you ask about Boston, like I just my mind always goes to like, yeah, like it always clouds my experience of Boston because I'm always like just Mm -hmm. very tired or like rushed or I didn't get the experience as much. But I mean, in terms of like cities that I've liked, um, I like going to Chicago a couple years ago. Um, Mm. I think it was 2018 that I went there for like a White Sox series and Chicago is a really nice city. Um, I'm hopeful that, uh, I get to do Seattle this year. I don't know yet. I think it's coming up in June. So that would be one that I really would like to see because I haven't been to that ballpark and I haven't been to that city. And obviously it's like a pretty big series when the Blue Jays go there. So I would love to go there. Um, But uh, yeah, no, I like Chicago. Um, I like New York. I do always like going to New York and I like the city and being in New York. Although after like a week there, I'm like, okay, enough of New York. Um, and then I'll see you in a month or two. Like, so mm-hmm. I, I definitely like it, but I mean, um, in short stints for me for New York, but anyway, everyone send me their good vibes for Boston this week. Cause I'm really optimistic that it's going to be like a good Boston trip. Um, but I need to just have a smooth <laughs> trip there. So everyone send me the good vibes on Tuesday morning when I'm flying there. You heard what Caitlin McGrath said. Send her good vibes while she is off to Boston to cover the Toronto Blue Jays as they take on the Boston Red Sox at historic pissed up Fenway Parks, Fenway Garden, Fenway Park. Jesus, that's the name of the place. (laughs) Fenway Park with the cursed Red Sox who play within. Uh, Caitlin, travel safely, travel smoothly and without friction. We wish you well. As we mentioned during the show, go and read Caitlin's profile of Jordan Romano. Read her this week in Blue Jays column that goes up weekly. That's where it gets its name. And then listen again later this week with when another edition of Spin Rate will drop my with myself and Ricky Romero as Caitlin McGrath will be in beautiful downtown Boston doing hub things there. So go to theathletic.com slash spin rate, subscribe to the show. Subscribe to The Athletic and then subscribe to the show because we'll be coming at you again later on this week where hopefully we have some good news and exciting uh, things to talk about as the Blue Jays come off their first and only off day of, of April. Is that correct? Monday they're off and then that's it. Yeah, basically. Month. I mean, like, I kind of got confused with myself about this, but I mean, like, I think technically they had an off day, like, on um, opening oh, the day, Thursday? like the Thursday. Yeah. yeah. And, then, and then they started the season, but this was their only off day within the month. Baloney. So they're in a real grinder of a stretch, but the Blue Jays are a good team and they are in first place. And with any luck, they will remain there for some time. Her name is Caitlin. My name is Drew. We'll talk to you next time on Spinner.
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.